Let's open up to Romans chapter 6. I'm going to share with you guys this morning, I think my favorite sermon of all time. I preached it about 15 years ago. It's going to look quite different this morning, but we're going to be in some of the same passages of Scripture. I think it's quite applicable for this morning as we consider the dedication of baby JL, as we consider a handful of you who are going to be getting baptized today. Um, we're going to consider what I think is one of the most practical passages of Scripture that God has given to us. And we're going to look at Romans chapter 6 together. So if you haven't turned there yet in your Bibles, please do so at this time. Does anybody know what the first five chapters of Romans is all about? Because chapter 6 makes a little turn for us. The first five chapters of Romans is all about us being justified in Christ. You guys know what justification is all about? Yeah, I love it. Just as if I never sinned. Do you know that for the Christian, that's how God looks at us. As if we've never sinned. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for us. That's why God came to this planet 2,000 years ago. To do what we couldn't do. Why? Because we've all fallen short of what? The glory of God. We have all sinned. There's not one righteous, guys. And that's what's so beautiful about the book of Romans. It clearly lays out for you and I our need of a savior. Someone outside of us who's able to do what mankind could not do in and of itself. Even in our best efforts, guys, we fall short. We're not good enough. We have all sinned, okay? How many of you guys have sinned? How many of you guys have sinned today? Man, doesn't that stink? But what we're going to see this morning is God's word lays down a very precious truth. And I think this is why this passage of scripture and this sermon this morning might be my favorite because this truth has been, for me personally, very liberating. It's something that has brought a lot of freedom to my life. It was something as a young man I clung to and got an understanding because as we consider the first five chapters of Romans that we've been justified in Christ, that's our position as a Christian, as a child of God. If you put your faith in Christ, he looks and sees you as sinless. But you just asked me, Pastor, if I've sinned today and I did today. We're still going to sin in this life. But if you're in Christ, how does God see that sin? He sees it as forgiven. The blood has been shed, guys. Forgiveness has been given. He's removed that sin as far as the east is from the west. So before we look at Romans chapter 6, should we look at the last couple verses of chapter 5? Man, you guys have great ideas. Let's check it out. Verse 20, we'll pick it up. Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound. Okay? Why would the offense abound by the law being given? Okay, Do you guys understand that the law of God makes it very clear for you and I what his standards are? Think about just the Ten Commandments for a moment. How many of us have broken the Ten Commandments? Right? It doesn't take too much. Well, I stole one thing when I was a kid. Great, you're a sinner. I lied one time. Liar, you lied a bunch of times. We've all been liars at times in our lives. We are liars. We've all broken the law of God and that's the thing that's so beautiful about the law because it is a schoolmaster it's a tutor 
to help show us that we need a savior because we have all fallen short of the glory of God. But I love where he goes. He goes and he tells us this, but where sin abounded, okay? And some of you guys might feel like, yeah, that's my case. That's my life, okay? I haven't just broken the law. I broke many of the laws. I've been very sinful. Well, what does it tell us here? It says grace abounded much more. Now I want you guys to hear this this morning. Is God right? Okay. He says grace abounded, but pastor, you don't know how bad I've blown it. (laughs) You don't know how much I've sinned. It doesn't really matter because what God says, his grace abounds even more than that. You guys get that. And I want you to understand this, brother and sister, that God will declare truth. His word is truth. And we have a very real enemy who will come and try to deny the truth of what God has spoken to us as his kids. And then we have a decision to make as a result of what God's declared. Are we going to believe his word, what he says? Or are we going to listen to Satan and what he is denying God said? Do you guys recall God speaking way back in the Garden of Eden? Eve, Adam... This tree over here, the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. He was declaring a truth, wasn't he? What did Satan do shortly after that? He showed up and said, "Uh uh-uh. What God declared, that ain't true. He was lying. I'm denying that. Guess what Eve and Adam had to do? They had to decide. They had a decision to make. Am I going to believe what God's declared? Or am I going to believe what Satan has said, what he is denying? Do you guys understand how important it is for you and I to make right choices and decisions in this life? Uh Because God is always going to be right. But pastor, I'm a really, really, really big sinner. You you don't know. (laughs) I do know what God's declared. But where sin abounded, what is abounded more, guys? God's grace. His grace is bigger than you and I can comprehend. It's bigger than you and I can grasp. All we know is God has declared that his grace is greater than any of our sin. He can forgive any one of us for anything we've done. That is the power of the cross. That is the message of the gospel. We have a gracious God. Not that we can earn it, not that we deserve it, We just have a God that loves us so much that he was willing to do what we couldn't do. And aren't we glad, guys? I sure am. So look at verse 21. So that sin, or as sin, reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So this gets into a very practical now application for you and I as believers, okay? And that's where Romans takes a shift here. You've been justified. You have position as a child of God, as being forgiven. Okay, you've been saved by grace. It's a gift from God, okay, for those who put their faith in Christ. But now what do we do as a result of this position as being a child of God, of being forgiven of our sin, 
And that's where chapter 6 takes us here. Let's read in verse 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue to sin that grace may abound? Well, God has this grace that abounds. Should we just keep on sinning? Paul says, heck no. Check it out in the Greek. Literally. Don't do it. Certainly not. What are you thinking? Okay? He wants us to be reasonable here. And that's why he lays this out for you and I. How many of you guys would testify and say sin stinks? Might be fun for a season, but it does stink. Okay? And then he goes on to tell us in verse 2, Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so also we should walk in the newness of life. For if we've been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Do you guys know that God is all about freedom? He who has the Son is free indeed, the scripture tells us. So if you are in Christ Jesus, the reality of our position of being in him is we've been set free from sin. It should no longer have a hold on us. It should no longer rule us. We don't have to go back to that old nature. We have a new nature. We've been born again of what? The spirit of God. Yeah, we still have our flesh and they fight together, but we don't have to be ruled any longer by our flesh. Why? Because we have the spirit of the living God. And Paul here is making it very clear for you and I as believers that there's a sweetness about knowing Jesus. There are blessings that we have been given and we need to live in this grace that abounds towards us. For I am what I am by what? The grace of the Lord. And if we're not living in that grace, if we're not continuing to receive that grace, some of us think that grace is just a thing that happened when we first accept Jesus Christ. I put my faith in him and I'm saved by his grace. What a gift. But now I have to do this Christian life and the rest of my life here on planet earth on my own, in my own strength. It ain't gonna happen. Because how good was your strength before Jesus? Didn't work too well. And trying to do it on your own apart from Jesus is still gonna be the same. It's still gonna look the same. But if you're in that place of continual humility, because that's really what brought you to Christ to begin with, right? You humbled yourself before him and you said, what? God, you're right. What you've declared is right. I am a sinner. I am in need of a savior. And yes, Jesus, you are the savior of this world. You are the Jewish Messiah that was promised. You did come and you did lay down your life as a sacrifice that many may be saved. And we get to be a part of that many. For those who call upon the Lord shall be saved. What a beautiful gift. But you guys understand that this grace is for daily living. Grace upon grace. Have you guys read that in John? Right? That's what we need from our God. To live in this grace. So I want to see when we look at verse 6 here. There's an appreciation that you and I should have. Knowing that our old man was crucified with him. How many of you guys are thankful for that? 
crucified with Jesus. Our old nature, he set us free. Christ died. <laughs> Our sin was put away. It no longer has a hold on us. Oh, we can still choose to give in to sin in our flesh, but you don't have to any longer. You had to before because you were a sinner. You were enslaved, but Christ set you free and is giving you his spirit and he gives you grace to overcome. He'll give you the ability to do what he's wanting you to do. So let's read on in verse seven. For he who has died has been freed from sin now, if we died with him, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. And likewise, you also, catch this, brothers and sisters, reckon yourselves indeed dead to sin but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that not beautiful? Does that resonate with our spirits? Does that not make us think of Galatians 2.20 where Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ? Me, this believer in Jesus? Someone who's put their faith in the Messiah? I've been crucified with him. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how we get to live, guys. And that's the beauty of Romans chapter 6 here. This is who you are in Christ. You have this position. You've been justified. And we appreciate what Christ did that there's this grace that abounds for you and I that we get to live in and partake in by faith every day of our lives if we choose to. And in doing so, we are no longer enslaved to sin, but we are free. We have life, true life. And didn't Jesus come to give us life and life abundantly? So this really is the appropriation of what God is declaring for you and I in verse 11 is that we reckon ourselves dead to sin. This word reckon is a little mathematician word. It's like, do the math, look at the facts. The facts, what God has done, what his word has declared, even though Satan will come and try to deny it, it tells you and I that we have been set free. Therefore, live like it. Live a life in Jesus. That's what we get to do, guys. We don't have to sin any longer. Do the math. Believe what the Lord has declared. Stop believing the lies of Satan. Because our faith believes what God has said. But my feelings tell me otherwise, Pastor. My feelings are telling me to despair. My feelings say the temptations that Satan keeps winging my way are too much. Do I have to? Do I have to believe these denials of my faith? Because it seems so overwhelming. Guys, we can't live on feelings because we begin believing that feelings have to dictate our faith in how we choose to live. Because the decision is yours and I's. We have the choice on how we are going to live our faith out. 
Are we going to believe what God has declared? Or are we going to allow feelings to dictate our lives? Because let me tell you what, how many of us here wouldn't be here right now if we were living on our feelings? We would split. I'm out of here. I'm running. This is too hard. The temptations are too much. There's so much junk in this life, so much chaos. I can't go on. But we can't live on our feelings. But you don't know the trials I've gone through. You don't know what I'm facing. You don't know how bad it is. I don't. I'm not you. But we all have our stuff. And we all have a choice to make. Am I going to believe what God has said? Am I going to do the math and look at the facts? <laughs> Am I going to live out my faith? Because this is what I've chosen. I've chosen to put my faith in Jesus. I've chosen to believe what he has declared. Now I'm going to look at these facts and I'm going to live a life of faith. Even though my feelings might be saying something different, I'm going to live by faith. Because we walk by what? Faith, not by sight. By faith, not how I'm feeling. So, do you guys see how important it is for you and I to live a life of faith? To appreciate what the Lord's done, appropriating what he's done. A couple more verses in chapter 6, and then we're going to go to another cool chapter and wrap this up. Look at uh, verse 12. Therefore... Do not let sin reign in your mortal body that you should obey its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Is that not awesome? So this is the application for you and I. This is what we are to do with what God is declaring is to live a life under the grace of God. We get to do that. That is what the facts are telling us to do. And this is what our faith enables us to do. Because this is how we receive that grace. It is through faith. Well, it sounds great, but how does this actually play out? Because I have my old nature, this old man that keeps haunting me. I'm trying to live this life of faith, trying to make the right decisions. But man, these temptations keep coming up. Satan keeps telling me to deny what God has declared. What do I do? Let's turn to Judges chapter 4 together. We're going to see this played out in the life of a gal by the name of J.L. Isn't that a pretty cool name? If you guys ever have a baby girl, that would be a really cool name to give her. So Judges chapter 4. I'll give you guys a little bit of the background of what's going on this time period for the <clears throat> children of Israel. They didn't have kings yet. So God gave them judges. Israel would blow it. They knew what God had declared, what he said. But they believed the lies. They began to live for themselves, for the world, for all the things that God said, hey, you're to be set apart. 
you're, you're, you're my people. You're to do things my way, but we want what the world has. <laughs> we want to do it that way. We don't want to worship you alone. We want to have other gods in our lives. So they kept falling into uh, hardships, and then they would cry out because once they found themselves in the world, they found themselves enslaved to the world in bondage, and then they cry out to God, God, <laughs> we got stuck. We made some bad choices, some bad decisions that were not made by faith. We didn't do what you said, and now we're in trouble, and we're crying out. And what does God do? He hears those cries. He raises up a deliverer, these different judges. Here in chapter 4, we are introduced to a gal by the name of Deborah. Yeah, she was a mighty woman of God. And God was using her big time with the children of Israel. There was a commander of the children of Israel who was to take the armies because the Canaanites, King Jabin, and there was a general Sisera. They were coming to attack the children of Israel. And they were going to go out to stop him. But Barak's like, you know, I'm kind of scared. <laughs> okay? He's the commander for Israel. He's the one who should have been leading the armies. And he goes to Deborah and says, Deborah, I, I'm not going to do it. I can't do it unless you go with. You, you got to come. You got to come and lead. If you go, then I'll go. Okay? So Barak was kind of a wimp. <laughs> but Deborah goes, and it's so cool because Deborah, I don't know if you know this or not, she was also a prophet, prophetess. And she prophesied, hey, Rock, you need to know that God's going to deliver. He's going to be faithful. And it's going to be by a woman. Wow, pretty cool. So let's pick it up. We're not going to read the whole chapter. Jump down to verse 15. We'll pick it up. So the Lord routed Sisera. So he was the old, uh, he, he's the commander for <clears throat> the Canaanites, okay? Um, oh, let's pick it up in verse 14. A little more context. Then Deborah said to Barak, up for this day in which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand and has not the Lord gone out before you. So Barak went down to Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots. We're told earlier he had 900 chariots. Do you guys know that chariots back then would be kind of like tanks today? Okay, we're going to war. We got 900 tanks. We're going to take out Israel like that. They don't have a chance. And Israel really didn't have a chance. But guess what? God showed up, okay? And he gave the victory here. And it goes on to tell us that he fled away then on foot, Sisera, but Barak pursued the chariots and the army of uh, Harishah, Hegeim, and the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword. Not one man was left. So this whole Canaanite army is wiped out, every single one of them, except for the wimpy commander who took off. Like, oh, we're getting our butts kicked. I'm out of here. So Fis Sisera takes off on foot, and he is running away from the armies. Now, verse 17, however, Sisera fled away on foot to the tent of Jael, the wife of Heber, the Kenites. Now, the Kenites, Canaanites, Heber means literally cross over. They had moved to Israel. They had now made their home in the promised land. They had left the old life, the Canaanites. And that's like you and I. How many of us, we come to faith, what happens? We pass from death to life. 
okay? We have a promised land that we get to live in. Our citizenship is not here, guys. You understand that? Okay, our citizenship is in heaven. We have the promised land. So that's what this couple did, Jael and Heber. They moved. They used to be ruled by Jabin, and Sisera used to be their old commander, okay? They had that relationship with them, but they had crossed over. Now check out what happens here in verse 18. And Jael, he went, or she went out to meet Sisera and said to him, Hey, turn aside, my lord. Aside to me, do not fear. And when he turned aside with her to the tent, she covered him in a blanket. And then he said to her, and I want you guys to catch this. What do you say? Please. That's off, off, awful polite. This old commander, the guy who used to rule me, He's being nice and he's saying, please. Does that ever sound like our old man? Our old nature? Oh, please. Just do this one little thing. Okay? What happens when we give Satan an inch? He can take a whole lot more than that, isn't he? Okay? Catch what he goes on to say. Please give me a little, just a little bit of water to drink. For I'm thirsty. Now, he's been on the run. Do you guys know that this is like in the desert, Middle East? Okay. What do you guys want to drink after you've had a long run? You're thirsty. Some good water, right? Okay. How about warm milk? Would you want warm milk? Because they didn't have refrigeration back then. How many of you guys would want a bottle of milk? I just ran. I'm on the run for my life. I'm exhausted. Okay. My whole army's been destroyed. They're after me. I got to hide. I'm exhausted. Oh, jail in Hebrew. I know these people. They're going to hide me. They covered me under this blanket. And don't we do that with our old man sometimes? Well, let's just hide that guy. Let's hide our sin. And he comes asking politely, please give me just a little water. But what does she give him? You guys can read ahead. Open book. She gives him what? A jug of milk. milk. How many of you guys want milk to drink? gross. I love it. I think it's First uh, Peter 2, 2. It tells us, therefore, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of what? The word that they may grow thereby. Do you guys know that you and I grow by the word of God? And some of us get to a point, well, I know the word. I've arrived. I know these truths. Guys, we have to continually stay in the Word. That's why Peter writes, in way of reminder, <laughs> I'm writing these things to you. They're not new, but as believers, that's why we need to be in fellowship. That's why we need to stay in that place of saying, well, I've, you know, <laughs> I've studied that. I don't need to do it again. No, we need to keep doing it. We need to keep being in the Word and hearing these precious truths and promises of God over and over again. Why? Because we're going to grow. We're going to keep growing, okay? I've been gone for the last few months. Why was I gone? Well, I purpose, I want to keep growing in the Lord, okay? I got to read probably half the Bible during that time. And let me tell you what, a lot of things that I've studied and even taught before, guess what, guys? I forgot. God did things in my heart, and I'm still growing by the Word of God. That's something we do to the day we go to be with Jesus, so I love what JL did, and this is what we need to do when that old commander comes, the old man comes and starts telling us what to do. Hey, please, give me a little little bit of this. Just, just a little bit. 
doesn't have to be a whole lot, just a little. You gotta, you gotta give that old man the milk of the word. Nope, God's declared this. You're telling me to deny what God has said? Nope, you're gonna get the milk of the word here. So gives them a little bit of milk. And what happens when you're exhausted and you have some more warm milk? You fall asleep, right? Okay, isn't that what happens? Babies have milk and they fall asleep, right? So he falls asleep. And then we're told here, um, he says, hey, give me some milk to drink. And then he covered him in verse 20. And he said to her, stand at the door of the tent. And if any man comes to inquire of you and says, is there any man here? You shall say, no. So this old commander saying, you need to lie. You need to cover this sin up. Don't let anybody know. And isn't that our tendency, guys? We just want to cover up that sin. We don't want anybody to find out. But you guys know, God knows. He's the only one that really matters anyways. So he says here in verse 21 that J.L. Heber's wife, what did she do once he had been put to sleep? Okay, covered him up. And this is what I think you and I need to do. This is where the application of Romans 6 comes in. J.L. Heber's wife took a tent peg, a nail. We got some tents around here this morning, okay? And what did she do with it? She took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him and drove the pig into, the te into his temple. And he went down into the ground for he was fast asleep and weary. So he died. I've been crucified with Christ. Do you guys know that the cross speaks of death? There are other crosses being preached today. There are false gospels out there. You come to Christ. The reason he died is so you can have all of this stuff of this world. That's not the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel begs us to come and die. You pick up your cross and you follow Jesus. And that's what we need to do when the old man, the old commander shows up in our life and says, hey, please, just a little sin, just a little bit. No, we give him the milk of the word. Nope, God says this, I've been crucified with Christ and I'm putting you to death. Jeremiah 23, 29 is not my word like a hammer. She took a pig from the tent and a hammer, the word of God, put that old man to death. It shall not any longer rule over you. Do the math. You've been reckoned. Reckon the reality, the facts. We are dead to sin. Why should we live any longer in it? Even when the old man shows up and is telling us, do this. No, that's not who I am any longer. I am a child of God. I get to live in the newness of life. I'm a new creation. I get to walk in this truth. And even when we do blow it, guess what, guys? We can repent. Even in the middle of sin. Nope. <laughs> I'm choosing faith. I'm choosing God and what he has declared and who I am as his kid. Let's finish this up quick. It tells us he died in verse 21 and then verse 22. And then as Barak pursued Sisera, jail came out to meet him and said to him, come and I will show you the man whom you seek. And when he went into her tent and lay there lay Sisera dead with a pig in his temple. So on that day, God subdued Jabin, the king of Canaan in the presence of the children of Israel. 
and the hand of the children of Israel grew. I want you to catch this, guys. They grew stronger and stronger against Jabin, king of Canaan, until they had destroyed Jabin, king of Canaan. Guys, when we stand in the truth and we say no to the old man, he's going to lose that power over us. Some of us are in that place where, hey, when our flesh says to do this, our old nature is asking us or asking of us to do that. All right, I guess I have to. No, you resist the devil and he will flee. You stand in the truth. And what happens when you continue to say, no, I'm not going to give in to you. I'm not going to keep feeding what my flesh wants. It's going to begin to get weaker and weaker and weaker. Okay, I wish... We got saved and we just never sinned again. Wouldn't that be awesome? But that's not the reality of this life. And God doesn't skirt that issue. He's very upfront with us about this life and the life of faith and the struggles we're going to have. And he gives us really cool examples in the book of Judges <laughs> on how to deal, how to apply the truths of who we are in Christ. So I want to encourage you guys this morning to live a life of faith. Believe what God has declared. Stop believing the lies of the enemy. Okay? Decide now. I'm going to believe you, God. I'm going to trust you. And you're going to have to make that decision later today. And then again tomorrow. And I don't know how many more times tomorrow. And then the next day. This life, guys, is a life of faith until we are home with Jesus. Amen? Amen. So... Romans 6 is a passage of scripture that I share every time we have a baptism, or almost every time we have a baptism. I've shared that many times over the years. Uh, we have a handful today um, who have put their faith in Christ who are going to be getting baptized. And I just really want to speak to that for a second, okay? Because as Paul in Romans 6 had laid out for you and I, the reality of baptism, it's being recognized with Christ in his death. Okay, there's a reason. We are actually proclaiming our faith in what Jesus has done. That's all baptism really is. It's a public declaration of our faith in him. And in that, we're identifying and saying, yeah, <laughs> I believe what God's declared, what he has done, that his death, the blood he shed on that cross, has forgiven my sins. And just as he was buried in the ground for three days, he rose again from the dead, new life. And that's really the picture of baptism, okay? Died with Christ, I come to life. Brand new creation. And there's only two things that God has asked us to do in the New Testament in the way of sacraments. Some of you guys have heard that word before, okay? Communion and baptism. Okay, we just read in Romans 6, we're not under the law anymore. Okay, we want to get very legalistic as Christians, say I have to do, 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 all these things. There's nothing we can do. That's why God had to do what we couldn't do. That's why our faith is in Him. And that's why Christianity is different than every other religion in the world. Do you guys know that most people today believe that there is an afterlife? Do you guys know that most people believe they're going to stand before God one day and they're going to hopefully get into heaven because they were good enough? 
they know that they've sinned. They know that they did some things wrong, but they're hoping they have enough good to, to get into heaven. And they're waiting for that judgment day. Do you guys know that Christians don't wait for judgment day? Okay. The reality is the gospel is an invitation. And God doesn't accept us on judgment day in the future. Okay. He proposes to us today for today is the day of salvation. And when someone hears the good news that God loved them so much that he was willing to lay down his life for them, that if they would put their faith and believe on Jesus, that they would be given the gift of eternal life, that acceptance is immediate because it's not based on our goodness. It's not based on a future judgment day because that judgment has already been made and Christ already paid the price in what we owe. That's the beauty of Christianity. That's the beauty of what God has declared. And that's what the world doesn't understand about us Christians, okay? Because they look at us and they say, hey, you're still sinful. <laughs> yep, I am, but I'm forgiven. I've been accepted. God, the creator of all things, I have relationship with because of what Jesus did for me. I get to call him father. I get to go to heaven. Judgment? I'm not going to be judged because Jesus took my place. He took the judgment for me and he was perfect the perfect sacrifice that's the beauty of Christianity guys that's our precious faith and that's what the world doesn't get because even though we may still sin we've been forgiven and even though we still sin we have faith and we have a faith that says, yes, I believe what you said, God. Now we have to live that faith, okay? And our salvation isn't based upon how good we live it, it's do you have it? And I'll say this, brother and sister, this life is hard, we're not gonna do it perfectly, but if you have faith, you're gonna keep walking, okay? It might not always be the best, but we keep going, we keep believing, we keep repenting. We keep trusting. That's our life. Why? Because we know God. We know that he loves us. We know that he has more in this life. We know that his promises are sure. And it's on us to embrace them. And that's what I want to do as your brother, as your pastor. I want to encourage you guys. Let's keep trusting Jesus. Let's keep believing his word. Let's keep stirring each other on to good works. Let's love each other authentically. Let's take the greatest commandment which we read in Deuteronomy 6 to love God. Let's do that well and do that together. Let's live out the great commission, okay? We're called to go make disciples. Let's do that. So I don't know about you, there's a whole lot of people that don't have a clue about the gospel because they're hoping that one day they're gonna make it through judgment day. They're not gonna make it through judgment day because there's a God who loves us a whole lot and there's a hope that we get to share today. So 
we're going to pray. Father, thank you. We thank you for your word. We are so thankful for the reality of the gospel, how you love us, Jesus, all that you have done. I do pray that your Holy Spirit, Father, would just enlighten, give us understanding to what you've declared in the book of Romans. God, the example we saw with J.L., Father, putting that old man to death, Lord, not allowing him to rule over us any longer. You have set us free. God, help us to walk in that freedom. Lord, we pray for those brothers and sisters who are being baptized today. God, we know that getting wet isn't going to save anybody. You're the one who saves. And what a precious thing that they are stepping out today publicly and professing you as their Lord, as their Savior. God, we would pray that they would really uh, just walk in the newness of life, live a life of faith, just grabbing a hold of you, trusting you, God, that you would give to them all that is needed. We know that you have plans for their lives, God, that you desire relationship with them, that they would keep growing in you. God, we would pray and ask of you, Lord, that you would just give them favor in that way. God, and may we as a church family just come alongside them today. Father, as we pray now, as we get to encourage them in their walks, God, we are so thankful, Lord, for this church, this community that you've given to us. God, we want to glorify you. We want to continue just to believe all that you've declared, and we're going to keep exalting your word and what you say, Father. Until the day we go home, you are so good. What a savior you are, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen.